And I also, you know, one of the differences I, I like to think Nolan Consulting has is this element of caring. We keep clients on a long time because they understand that we're not transactional. Uh, we care deeply. And if someone's going through a hard time, frankly, I'll call them on a Sunday. I'm also not afraid to ask personal questions. I'm coaching the whole person. I'm not just coaching a business owner. So we can't go there and consult, consult, consult until we understand who we're consulting. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to another great episode of Out of the Hourglass. My name is Molly Nolan, and I'm joined today by two well-respected leaders and coaches, Brian Nolan, Managing Partner at Nolan Consulting Group, and Paul Cook, Vice President of Painters USA, Summit Member, and Member Coach, for a powerful conversation on the role of the coach. At Nolan Consulting Group, we have the immense privilege to work with many business owners and organizational leaders in a coaching capacity. We work with these individuals with the sole purpose of helping them to achieve their desired visions for the future and accomplish the goals they set for themselves and their organizations. It's a position that is both incredibly rewarding and challenging in the best way, because it's like we have courtside seats to the long game, witnessing their plays and game-changing moves, through the challenges that arise and celebrating the victories, both big and small. This episode centers on the skills and behaviors that are critical to succeed in the role of the coach. From understanding the whole person, the foundational need of authentic rapport, recognizing when the conversation calls for silence, active listening, and so much more. As you listen, we challenge you to think about who is looking to you as a coach, As a leader, business owner, or manager of people, you hold that coaching responsibility. You just might not know it. Out of the Hourglass is a podcast channel dedicated to helping small business owners and contractors visualize their goals, develop high-performing teams, and build sustainable growth. It's time to get out of the hourglass. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Out of the Hourglass. I am pleased to be joined by two guests today. Uh, I think it's a, a fur. I don't know if Brian and Paul Cook have actually done a podcast together. Um, so I, this think might be a did, I think we did, did on safety a couple of years ago. Yeah, way oh, so there. way back in the day. So not yeah. in the not in the out of the hourglass time frame. No, um, no, so no. this is this is a first for out of the hourglass. So let me pull back and welcome uh, Brian Nolan, managing partner of Nolan Consulting Thank Group. You, Molly. And you, you, of course, welcome. And Paul Cook, Vice President of Painters USA, a Summit member, and also an NCG member coach. Good morning, Uh, Molly. Good morning. Happy to have you both here today. Uh, We're here to talk about a cool topic, um, one that sometimes seems, I think, in our head, just natural to us at NCG because it's what we do. It's what our coaches do. but it, I think it's really important to kind of bring it into perspective of how every listener on this call is a coach in some way to other people in their lives. Um, so here we're talking about the role of the coach, the behaviors, the skills that are really critical for this role's success um, in, in many facets, uh, but both will kind of focus more so on how NC, NCG uses the coaching skills to coach our clients, but also how... 
anybody who's a manager or a leader can use these skills to be coaching employees or how any, you know, individuals who are involved in organizations can be coaching employees or, or their colleagues around them. Uh, I think it's, so it's a powerful topic. We'll dive into some really good practices and application here. Uh, so to get started though, Brian, talk to me about the difference between consulting and coaching. And I ask that because, I mean, we're called Nolan Consulting Group, yet we also are business coaches. So what's the difference there? Yeah, you know, first, I, I feel particularly vulnerable because uh, I've been coaching Paul since 2007. And, and so I'm going to sort of unveil and open up my methods here and go, aha. In fact, just last month, because uh, Paul's becoming a great coach and we're reading this book, um, he said to me, now you're consulting, Brian, you're not coaching. Mm. And uh, ah, you caught me because um, I'm an advice giver, right? I'm an advice monster uh, or not. And when should I do either? And um, so I really want to open up with this consulting versus coaching because the fact of the matter is Nolan Consulting Group does both. And um, at, at different times, people come to us for consulting. Uh, they people stay with us for the coaching. And um Consulting is systems. It's templates, processes, scripts, roles. Um, coaching is execution. It's getting a person to focus, accountability, um, how they give feedback to an employee, helping a person really understand what they want. Um, the ability to go back and forth as a manager, Paul, this is interesting. You can speak to this because Sometimes you have to consult and sometimes you have to coach. What's been your journey, Paul, to becoming a coach? And why is it important? Other than you're a Nolan Consulting Group coach now, but I think the most important thing you're getting out of this is your own leadership skills. Tell us what you think. Yeah, good point. So I, I think me and many of us, you know, we're maybe a, a company owner or a position of management. And we're used to telling people what to do. We've been there, done that. We know how to do it. And we just want to jump in and fix stuff. But, you know, are, are we really growing our people, right? Um, I am slated to leave in about 29 months. Can you tell I'm counting? Uh, so I'm going to leave <laughs> the company. And uh, the people behind have to be, have to step up and lead and, uh I think to do that properly, they need to increase their decision-making uh, prowess. They just need to uh, get used to running. There's, I'm not going to be there to tell them what to do, right? So now's their time to learn to learn and to fail, right? While you're still yeah. there, it's hard, you know. Sometimes I just catch myself and I just have to shut up, you know. Let them. Ask them how they would handle it. And even if I think it's wrong, let them maybe go ahead and try it that way. Um, yeah, coaching is not telling anyone how to do it. It's just, uh, it's almost like you're there so they can bounce ideas off you and you can give them a little feedback, but they're the ones making the decisions and moving the ball down the road. Well, but, but it's not, not your natural style to, to do that because you get things done. You, you see it. You, you and I have talked about this. You know what right looks like. And so you want to, and, and also you want to help people do it. This is how it should be done. So 
how how have you been able to sort of make a transition in your own behaviors to become more of a coach, even though it feels like writing with your non-dominant hand? Yeah, well, number one, I'm taking a coaching class because uh, I realized I, it was going to take more than just reading a book for me, you know, and it's going to take practice. So it's actually a series of four classes. I can get certified. It's the uh, Professional Christian Coaching Institute. And, uh, you know, we role play. It, it, it's really good. So it, it's about having self-awareness, you know, and just thinking, listening more, having self-awareness, knowing when to say something, but more importantly, when to not say something, you know, and just listen. Do you you give yourself any tools so that when you're in the moment, uh, like, you know, catch yourself uh, and all of a sudden, like, I I can't tell, I've got to stay, bite your lip almost. You know, I, uh, I need some of those. I printed out in big letters on a piece of paper, ask powerful questions. And that's, that's mm-hmm. what coaching does. And I need to hang that right by my desk. Cause I still find myself, you know, I walk away and go, I blew that. I should have just stepped back and coached in that moment instead of being directive and stepping in. You know, but, where, you know, yeah, I was just going to say, our, you know, we're used to having all these training programs for our field employees, but what do we do for our office employees and how do we grow them? You know, so that has to be, I'm realizing that's huge as I'm getting prepared to step down. We're all reading a, a book now for the club um, called Breakthrough Coaching by Jack Canfield. And um, one of the chapters that I'm on now talks about support structures. And so that's sort of why I asked that. So, you know, you and I agree on what you want. We agree on the behaviors you need. And then we hang up and you go about your world and how can we integrate support structures into your world so that you can have new neural pathways of behaviors. And I'll dive more into that um, shortly. Now we, we talk a lot about um, SL2 um, and which is situational leadership. Uh, Paul, give it, give us your, how does this relate to, uh, coaching versus consulting, and when do I, when do I jump in, and when do I not jump in? How do you go about determining that? Well, you know, when someone's in that D one, D two, they're new to a task or a process, you're going to be more consulting. You're going to be directive in telling them how to do it because they don't know, right? Um, and as they improve and get better, that's when you need to be good about stepping back uh, and letting them grow right? And learn by failing, fail forward. Um, so that's the key is you got to recognize where they are on that certain task and know when to, um, you know, guide them, listen to them, ask them for, well, how would you do it? You know, what are your thoughts? And I even have, you know, it's, it's tough because they'll ask me how to do it. And I said, well, that's a good question. Let me give me your ideas, you know, just put it back on them. Right. So you're trying to get them to come up with the answers when you're not going to be around. Right. Yes. And, and, you know, most of us have a dominant leadership style. So, you know, the S1 matches D1, S2, D2. Most of us have mine happens to be S4. I give people way more room than I should as a leader um, when what we really need to do. Know both as a coach and a leader is understand um, the amount of confidence and competence and 
and skills someone has in each particular task uh, to know that maybe they have the skill, but they're not confident, which is when we really got to coach them to do that. That's in that D3. So the diagnosis part is vital here. Diagnosis. Does the person have the skill, but there's something behaviorally happening, either from a competence level or um, old habits that they can't make that move? That's a really good point, Brian. I think recognizing where that, you know, someone's having trouble getting something done. Well, is it they don't know how? Or like you said, is there is there something else in the way? Is it just a confidence issue? And they need, you know, they need some uh, coaching around that. That's uh, the peel back, right? right? That's the importance of, of the peel back questions to deeply understand what's preventing someone from accomplishing what they want. So we're going to jump into components like that, you know, peeling back, setting an agreement as to what we're discussing, you know, what we're discussing. But I think, um, you know, the first thing here is that recognizing when you are a coach um, and what what are you coaching for? You diagnose the individual that you recognize you are a coach. Um, I do want to just plug real quick that if what we're speaking to in terms of SL2 situational leadership, D1, D4 is not something that's familiar to you. We recommend that you make it familiar to you because it's such a powerful leadership tool. Um, we have done several podcasts on this in the past, an SL2 series that Colin Nolan spoke to, walked us through uh, the different levels of both um, leading uh, and uh, kind of understanding where people are in their tasks. So I would you know, recommend going back and listening to that because we are applying, we're now applying this leadership tool to coaching. Yeah. So making sure that you have a foundation of that. And there's first. five podcasts that we there do are. on this yep. that, that go deep into each level as, as well as, as goal setting. Um, and Paul, one thing I'll add to you as well. I love that you said that you, when you recognize some things that you have to work on, you how you printed and you put it right in front of you so that you're you're recognizing it. Um, Catherine, who Freeman, who I would say is also my coach and how co- you know mentors me, coaches me. She says things to me, and I write down sticky notes and I put it on mine. Uh, mine is delegate to elevate. And I need that reminder. We need reminders as we're trying to grow ourselves, right? Um, no one's, you know, we're, we're all on a journey of kind of even being coached and coaching others. Um, so being able to recognize where, where you are as a coach, I think is really important where you need to, you know, work on your own skills um, and then being able to apply those to others and helping their, you know, their journey. You know, my, my, it's hard for me too. I, I got to tell you, I've been coaching for years but I want to give advice and, and, and people call me for advice. So I give advice. I don't stop and say, where is this person in their understanding of how to give feedback to a person? Mm-hmm. Right. So instead I'll tell, I'll tell a person exactly what I think they should say to an employee. And that's not the right move. Uh, Cause I don't, it's, I don't have the full context. First of all, it also seems like it fixes the the issue in the moment, but you've not corrected the the future issues that will come in a right. sense where you're going to likely probably hear that same situation again. And that person's going to come to you. How should I, how should I handle this versus giving them the confidence and power and kind of having to go through like that, that their own exercise of figuring it out on their own. Um, 
so then, you know, then Paul, you can't leave in 29 months because you've, you've answered everybody's question, right? So now you are coaching them to answer and provide solutions. Um, you're still present to help bounce off ideas off of, um, and you're still there, but you're giving them, you're putting them to, to the task of it now. Um, and, and giving them those kind of with those, those, those boundaries. Um, so let's go into some, I think of this, the skills and behaviors that we see in coaching. Um, I think, you know, Brian, I'll, I'll kick it off to you first. How are you showing up to um, a coaching call or how are you showing up to a conversation when it's time to be a coach? You know, um, I'll sometimes have four or five uh, calls in a day, right? So I need to completely block out everything else. But then I'm on, I, I've sent an agenda to a client, like you would send an agenda to an employee who you want to talk with. Um, and then we get on and I'm ready to jump into that agenda, right? Wrong. Uh, I've, we've all made this mistake. I, I, need to, I need to gear into this person's mind. I need to know what's going on. How are they showing up? What happened that day? And I would, I would say one out of four times, I call an audible and change agenda. Just, just yesterday, I had someone who I, I like to go, I like to say, hey, tell me on a scale of one to 10, professionally and one to 10 personally, how are you? And um, someone said a five, uh, um, both. And I'm like, whoa, okay, audible, what's going on? Where are we? And um, I need to learn if I had just dived into the homework that that person had for me, or, and, you know, I, I, I would have piled on stress. There was a lot of stress going on in that, in that person's life. Um, so if you're really going to coach, you've got to meet them where they're at that day and help them through some, some situation that they have to untangle it in their head. Uh, Paul, you always do a, a segue with your meetings even, and maybe talk about, and there's one segue you do that I love. Uh, you go through about six things. Where are you in certain areas, right? Yeah, we, we call it's called sashay. <clears throat> you know, how are you showing up today? But sashay is an acronym for sad, angry, uh, scared, happy, excited, tender. And you just check in around those, around those feelings. Hey, I'm sad or I'm angry about this. And um, you could say I'm sad angry and excited, you know, so people just check in. So it's, it's a good way to drop the walls and I guess increase some vulnerability and getting people good with talking about tough, tougher things. And that's part of coaching is, you know, helping them be vulnerable to get to the real root of the issue. Vulnerability is key to establish emotion, emotional trust. Uh, it's, it's key. This is emotional. Coaching is emotional. It's not transactional. Change is about getting someone to emotionally change. That's the only, intellectual change is easy. I've been doing this a long time. Actual change is very hard. <laughs> yeah. And it, you've got to feel it, not just think it. So it's, it's the call context or how you're, how you're showing up to that, that conversation is one of those things that obviously we, we recognize one, they, we need to keep in mind, but in tandem with that, another part of uh, being a role of the coaching, being able to know how to show up to those calls and get what you're trying to understand behind, you know, what's happening in their world. I think it 
is about establishing a relationship and trust, right, Brian? And like building that authentic rapport so that the individual can tell you, I'm a five today. And now you know how to kind of call that audible and redirect. But how do you get to that? How do you get to that point where someone is vulnerable enough to tell you where they're really at? Yeah, you know, it's interesting. I, I, I always practice vulnerability first. Um, always. I, I let people know, you know, where I'm at or, or something like that. Um, I'm also not afraid to ask personal questions. I just do. Um, I'm, I'm coaching the whole person. I'm not just coaching a business owner. And, um, and, I, and I also, you know, one of the differences I, I like to think Nolan Consulting has is this element of caring. Um, when we stop caring, we're done. We keep, we keep clients on a long time because they understand that we're not transactional. Uh, we care deeply. And if someone's going through a hard time, frankly, I'll call them on a Sunday uh, and, and follow through. Um, so coaching is, uh, if you've had five or six coaching calls in a day, you are exhausted because you have, you have given your emotional self, not just the transactional self. Paul, care to comment on that? I think that, you know, such a big key in coaching is listening and not just surface level listening, you know, listening at a deeper level, being empathetic to what the person is saying, uh, not judging. Um, it's just, it's this key. Like you said, you have to tune into where they are. Um, you're not, we're not telling them how to do things. They're, they're telling us what's going on and, you know, we're just listening. Basically, we're just listening. They're bouncing things off us, and we can guide and correct. But it's 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 super important to, you know, believe in this person 100 percent and listen well to them. It's no, almost like your your therapist. Therapists they listen. They just sit and listen. And I and I think we're I, we're such we're so accustomed to always you know having things put in our in our visual world or here or audio all the time. Um, so to have a moment one-on-one with somebody where they're just, they're there to listen to you, um, in this, you know, this coaching environment is probably pretty powerful. Like someone's actively hearing me, seeing my struggles, hearing my challenges, um, and giving me a moment just to like, let it all out. I mean, just that, so that active listening has, has really got to play a part in like allowing someone to be vulnerable. Right. Yeah. You know, Molly, I, I, I call it the gift of 100% attention. Mm. Um, think about that for a minute. That is really, really hard to do. It's hard to do with your spouse. It's hard to do with your employees. It's hard to do. The gift, if you can completely focus and then actively listen, is sort of tell them what, what you heard. And that, that phrase that says, people won't really care what you're talking about until they know you care. And and seek first to understand, then be understood. So we can't go there and consult, consult, consult until we understand who we're consulting, and then when we coach and when we when we consult. Um, and you're so busy. Um, many of us get so busy thinking about how we're going to respond and what we're going to say, and you can't. You're not actively listening. Then you got to 
just tune in and let, you know, whatever comes, comes naturally to you, but um, you can't be doing that. You got to be totally. Oh, you just nailed it. Yeah. You just nailed it. To be totally present, you can't be thinking about what you're going to say next. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, you got to let it naturally flow when that person's done talking. And boy, I'm, I'm, I've been doing this a long time. I am working at getting better at it. I have a long way to go. <laughs> I need a sign on my wall for that. Yeah. <laughs> Shut up and listen, right? Shut up and yeah. listen. Well, yeah. when you think about a coach, even just in a, like a sports uh, perspective, a coach is responding and to the plays that are happening in the moment, right? And then making changes based upon what's what's happening live. And so you need to be like really seeing and really listening to what is being put in front of you. Um, you can't have a, a preconceived answer in your head because then you're not listening to what's what's really happening on the field. Um, you you got to respond in the got to be responsive in the moment to what you're hearing, which requires that active listening. In that context, Mal, it's also really to understand that person's uh, disc profile, right? Mm-hmm. So if you're really going to be actively listening, you're understanding how a person is processing information um, and um, how to give a high D input. How to get, you know, high Ds don't like to be told what to do ever. Uh, there's a there's a phrase we also use is don't should all over everybody, don't don't should on people. You should never should. Um, I, I one time early on coaching, I had a client say to me, "Hey Brian, you've been shitting me a lot today. It doesn't feel very good." I'm like, "Oh my gosh!" <laughs> uh, you say to high D, uh, one thing you might want to consider, you know. Some options. It's all about that word phrasing. Yeah. It's Let's crazy talk about how... the options. Yeah. Let's talk about the options. If you have a high D, don't tell them what you think they should do. Ask them, hey, let's let's throw out some different options. And then you can decide which one makes the most sense. You can decide because they're a high D. They you want might to ask for decide. permission too. You might say, Hey, do you mind if I give you a suggestion? Or giving you an opinion. So I, asking permission is important because you're affirming that person. You're not just, you know, doing a should have, right? You're, you're asking them, is that okay? Let's dive well, into that-, that one a little bit deeper. Like this ask, because this asking permission is a really big component of coaching. Um, what, what is, what does asking permission look like? Um, what does it feel like? Wow. Well, um, yeah. You know, you, you may sense, you know, in coaching, you, they're telling you what they're going to do, but you may feel that they're stuck. Or, uh, or, or just a little off. And so you, just, you want to say, is, is it okay if I uh, suggest something to you? And that gets them, I think, to lower their defenses. And it's not like, oh, here goes Paul telling me what to do again. But you're, you're just asking permission to throw an idea out on the table. It could be like, Brian, hey, can we brainstorm this for a minute? And then you can both start throwing out ideas. Uh, but when you find maybe that they're stuck or not getting the progress they need, that might be a good tactic to use. Yeah, I, I do it most often when I'm in kind of a coaching groundhog day and uh, someone comes back, it's the third meeting and they haven't done um, a training program. Let's say training was something that they wanted to implement and it's not off, off the ground. And they, they said, well, um, you know, my guy 
didn't do it, but he said he'll do do it next week. And I told him this, and I'm, and then he, and then the person wants to move on, and I don't want to move on yet because I feel like we're stuck there. So I said, and they can see my face. My face sort of contorts a little bit. Um, um, hmm. I say, do you mind if do you mind, do you mind if I peel that back a little bit? And now I'm giving them the emotional space to be ready for a deeper, uh, you know, conversation, why they haven't been able to push something through. Asking permission to peel something back, even as a manager to your employee prepares a conversation in a non-defensive manner. I'm just curious. I'm curious, not judgmental. When you ask to peel back, you're staying curious. And that's a powerful question is asking somebody to be able to peel back and really get, you know, deep down as to what is going on. And I can imagine that some people, while they, they're like, sure, we can peel that back. There's still going to be, there's still going to be some moments where they're not fully prepared to know how to respond. So there's going to be silence, right? Like you're, and, and how are we okay with silence? Some people hate it and want to fill the void. Um, but I, I, I'm believing that as a coach, you have to be okay with that silence, right? You have to be, let them take their time to respond to the question. Yes. Silence is a powerful tool and you're right, Molly. Some of us want to just jump right in and, but it's letting um, your person think and process, or it's okay to be a little uncomfortable, you know, that's okay. And again, that's where I need that, you know, shut up and listen, sign on my wall. Just uh, some pregnant pauses are good because that's when people do some of their best mm-hmm. thinking. So, yeah, um, the the next question after you say, you know, can I peel it back? That's an important, important question. So you've asked them to peel it back. They're like, sure, peel it back. Like, oh, now what? Now I've got to peel it back. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so you don't want to jump in and tell them what you think they should do. So you may want to go to one of the uh, questions from The Coaching Habit, which is a book. There are seven critical questions to ask as a coach. And one of the the questions there is, what's the real challenge for for you here? What's what's the real challenge? And then they'll, they'll say something and you'll say, what else? And that what else is sometimes the real challenge. And then is, then you can say, you know, how can I help? Um, so I'm not saying a lot. I'm just asking a lot and getting them to understand barriers in their world that need to be broken down so they can accomplish what they want. Yeah. That speaks to something that Paul was saying earlier, like not being, like not being judgmental of what they, what they need to say or how they're feeling. You're remaining curious. Uh, and I think that's a really important thing that you said, Paul, is that they know that they can share things with you because it, it's their full self coming to the table. And if they can't share their full self with you, then you've, you've lost the relationship, right? And so how do you show them that you're not being judgmental? Yeah. Yeah. And you, you don't not get an emotional typically. And, you know, we, we, uh, in class, we, we learned that you typically why questions aren't good because why questions are can be judgmental. Well, why haven't you done this or why, you yeah. know, mm. so we try to avoid 
why questions, you could say, well, what's keeping you from achieving that? Or, you know, what's getting in your way? You know, there's different ways to say that. So you're not coming across as judgmental. Let's talk about a little bit about accountability. Yes. And uh, what we, we call broken agreements. And um, so as a coach, after, you know, at the end of the call, you got you have a list of takeaways and they show up and it didn't get done. As a manager, Paul, you give assignments, right? You give, delegate some work and it doesn't get done and we're frustrated. And sometimes we just let dates come and go. We never address the fact that there was, there was an agreement that was broken. Um, before I dive in, I want to ask Paul how you deal with that as a leader uh, and how you're working on getting better at that as a manager. Well, you know, one thing a, a coach does do is hold people accountable to their uh, goals and achieve what they want to achieve. So, um, you know, if you trying to use a format when in my one-on-ones and it could be the uh, CCP or it could be traction or whatever you use where uh, my direct report is reporting to me, it's their responsibility to come in, tell me, you know, what they completed from last time and what, what their goals are, you know, for our next meeting. So, um, it's, again, it's not goals that I've established. These are goals that they've established. So when they don't hit them, it's like, well, help me understand, you know, what got in your way? How can I, can I help you? You know, I guess, I don't know if how can I help you is good because maybe you got to be careful you're not an enabler and then you jump in, right? But um, uh, I think, though, how can I help you with support structures? Yes. So yeah. that you can make those changes. Right. Yep. Good point. Um the the uh, um, accountability piece I'm, I'm most intrigued by because I feel like as a coach, my job is to help them effectuate change. Like we're here, we want to be there. We, they, we're helping them become the best version of them. They tell us their visions. They tell us what they want and we're helping them achieve that. But yet, yet they leave a call and life happens. And they get busy and they come back to the call and sometimes they'll cancel a meeting because they haven't accomplished what they want to what they owed you. Um, so we use this term, uh, this, these sort of three, three questions is a person, uh, are they committed? Number two, are they coachable? And number three, are they aware? And this awareness piece is what I want to drill down on. Are they aware in the moments when they leave your meeting um, of triggers in the day or the week where they've got to behave certain ways and change the neural pathways? It could be how someone gives someone feedback, it could be how someone delegates or abdicates. Are they aware of, of, of triggers? And only when you start breaking down, tell me about the next week. Let's work through who can help you from a support structure uh, start to do certain things? Like Paul, you were sending me the top three things each day because Paul is a very detailed guy. He's got a list, long list of things to do. Uh, you, your list of things to do is huge. But everything is yeah. important, nothing's important. So um, I just think that that sort of awareness uh, is, is so critical. 
yeah, you know, what they're going to do by when. But then again, as far as uh, bonding and rapport with them, you're not going to be judgmental uh, unless they ask you to be. But uh, you do need to acknowledge progress. Like they may not have knocked their goals out of the park, but they may have made progress. Like they had, hey, I had two out of three conversations. And then, you know, you need to make them feel good about that. Um, And then uh, it is hard to not jump back into that consulting or CEO role, you know, and tell them. But just like you said, life happens. Uh, and then if it, but if it's a repeated issue, then that has to be addressed, right? If they're continually not getting things done, but you know, you always try to keep it positive. I want to go back and I should ask a question to you, Brian, about um, you said the, you know, those three, those three things committed, coachable and aware. How can we tell if somebody's coachable? If they're not defensive, if they're mm-hmm. vulnerable. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Oh Yeah. If they say I want it, but then they, they, they're, I'll work with anybody as long as they want, as long as I, as long as they are self-aware and vulnerable of where they need to get better and not, not defensive. I I can't work with, uh, you know, people who are, who come with excuses and are defensive. And when do you know that there's an issue with the coaching relationship when they're showing up each time um, and they're not showing up and they're not doing the things that, you know, you know that they can do. It's almost like you're wanting it more than they are. Right. Is that when you have to call the timeout? Yeah. I mean, that's a question that is powerful when you see something uh, and you want something for them more than they really want it emotionally. And um, that's why I think all, all coaching relationships need to start with a primary aim. Um, that, uh, just like all individual uh, plans for people, development plans. The primary aim is understanding what a person really wants out of their world. So if you find your coaching of a person is getting stale, it's just not moving. It's got to get emotional again by going back to either the vision of the business or the primary aim of that person. And that is where all goals should really cascade from is what matters most. That's what you're coaching towards. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, you've done a bit of that. Yeah. If they don't own it, that's a big warning sign. I mean, if, yeah. if there's a, if they didn't hit a goal, they need to own it. And if they're sincere about that, then I feel really good. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but if they're given, like Brian said, mm-hmm. if they're given excuses and have all these other reasons, you know, they're, they're not really owning the, uh, the challenge, you know, they're trying to overcome. So they got to open and um, just, just be ready to come and, and be coached and learn. They're not necessarily, in, they're not invested in it anymore or they or or not anymore maybe they thought they were invested in it when they they started with with the concept of wanting to to do this but as you as time has gone on you realize that investment actually isn't there um and you like kind of going back to you you are putting so much of your emotional you know uh capacity into the into these conversations that you can be there for them and so the the, the, these they have to match right if your emotional toll is being taken way more than theirs is by 
not being invested in it or not showing up for calls, like that's, there's a problem. That's when you gotta, you gotta completely call the timeout. Totally. Yeah. I mean, we are like the uh, Sherpas helping them get to their summit where we're riding along with them, helping them deal with obstacles, um, emotional obstacles, behavior obstacles. We help them through all kinds of problems by helping them, helping them make sure they realize that business is a game. <laughs> I think that's really important and separating their identity, how they think and feel from their role. We're really helping them become their role as a leader. And so there's a lot of like um, feedback that's not to people giving, giving feedback, but their role is, is to give feedback. So making sure you're coaching around how someone is or not is, or is not talking to their people is pretty important. So I feel like I want to do just a quick summary here. We've talked about a lot of really great tactics and tools and applications um, before we kind of, we pull this to an end. So, and I, and I, and I say this because I want to make sure um, that I'm hearing what to you two as coaches are saying so that we can kind of, people can think about in their own, their own worlds, how are they applying these? Um, so when you are a coach, it's about understanding, you know, one, understanding when you are the coach, um, understanding the person who, who you are coaching, where they want to go, what are their goals, um, what is their vision, where are they at in those parts of the vision. So diagnosing where they're at versus where they want to go, and then applying the tools of setting the coaching agreements, you know, what they are hoping to get, you know, from, from these conversations or this relationship, establishing the relationship with authentic rapport, um, being, being personal show and, and doing that so that you're showing up to calls in a way where you can, you can, there's a, there's a context to how that conversation will go. Um, and through that conversation, asking questions that are powerful, but not judgmental, giving the moments for silence when they're needed, asking permission to go deeper and to peel things back, um, and be present in its entirety to, to shut up, to shut up the worlds that this person knows one-on-one that this is your time with them. Well, you just did what a great coach does is you were able to give a sort of finale of the uh, takeaways or the, so what's I call it the, so what of a coaching call. So what do we do? So what's next? And so you just really hit on, uh, the, those critical pieces and, um, it all, all people out there who are leading people, I think can benefit, uh, from these topics today. Mm-hmm. So tell me when you, when you leave a, a conversation like that, after having practiced the things that we're talking about here, um, what are the next moves? How are we setting up those the next steps or the next conversation um, or until we speak again? I I think it's important that that comes from the person you're coaching because to be hundred percent bought in, it has to be their idea, not your idea. Right? So you ask them, Hey, what do you want to accomplish by our next meeting? And then have them 
you know, I think the more specific they get, the better, right? Having smart goals. So have them lay them out and um, you might want to offer support to, you know, check in a few days later or they can check in with you, but it's really has to be up to them to you know, put out what goals they want to achieve. Yeah. And that's also counterintuitive, but Paul's absolutely right. You know, it, the, the intuitive self says, okay, let me add value. Let me just write down all your takeaways and action items. Um, but how do people really hear what they did, said? And it's only after they can communicate that. Now, it's, okay, it's good to follow up with an email. Here's what I heard you say. Um, mm-hmm. But having them say it is going to really indicate whether they got it or not. Yeah, it's good stuff. And you'll, uh, I would assume you, you will probably recognize, you know, excitement or happiness in their voice when they have conquered those things that you've worked on with them and to, to let them like come to you celebrating like coach, I did this. I was able to like, like for them to come to you and say, I think you'd be really proud of me. I got this done. Like there, that's, that's a, a good part of the relationship, right? When you can see that person feeling pride in what they accomplished and wanting to well, share why, it with you. That's why I do what I do. It's not for the compensation. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, seriously, I mean, the victories, the human victories are just, I get, I get goosebumps, frankly, uh, on a regular basis to, to sort of celebrate in the joy. Uh, you need to make sure you celebrate victories, by the way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, celebration is huge and, you know, it doesn't come natural to me. So I really try to go out of my way. Hey, well done. You did a really good job on that. I'm doing a lot lot in emails and just uh, recognize where people are coming from. It it may, to us, it may not be a big thing. It could be monumental for them. The first time they did this and they got the confidence and they were successful. So you just go out of your way. You can never overdo that, I don't think. I'll share just a small, uh, my own experience, just working with a a running coach and how I've seen her navigate meeting people where they're at a different points in their running career, whether, and how she celebrates so hard when you have accomplished the goal that you've wanted. Mm -hmm. And that might be you returning from an injury and you're finally able to start running and you're doing an 11 minute mile. And she's so, like, she's so proud of you. She shares your accomplishments publicly as well versus, or if you are going for that Boston qualifier goal, like regardless of where you are at, um, she, it's important that that coach is meeting you where your, where your victories are, uh, what, what's, what's a major win in your life. And it's not about her. It's not about what she thinks about what she, you know, it's about what you have done um, in the space that you are at. And it's huge. It's huge. So I think we'll we'll leave it there. I uh, I think that was a, a great conversation. I think a lot of people will take away uh, different parts of this and just how they, whether you think you're a coach or not, there are lessons here that we can all take. We can all learn to be present. We can all learn that silence is okay, um, and asking permission in just our our relationships personally and professionally to dive a little bit deeper and understand the person behind uh, how they show up that day. So with that, Paul and Brian, thank you so much. I appreciate the time as always. And till till the next episode, we'll see you then. Thanks, Molly. Great Great job. Thanks, Molly. Thanks, Brian.
Thanks for listening to this episode. Out of the Hourglass is recorded and produced by the team at Nolan Consulting Group, a nationwide business coaching and consulting firm with coaches located throughout the country. Have a question, comment, or idea for future episodes? We'd love to hear from you. Visit our website, www.nolancg.com.